May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Today we have before our altar a painted cross. It's, it's a copy of one that now hangs in the Basilica of St. Clair in Assisi. And in the time of Francis hung in a little broken down church on the plain beneath the city of Assisi little church called St. Damien's or San Damiano. So this particular cross, it's a Byzantine uh, icon cross, um, and it's, it's now known around the world as the San Damiano cross because of where it was originally found. It now hangs in the basilica within the walls of Assisi because during the time of Francis and Claire, it hung in the little church in San Damiano, and she, uh, St. Clair, became the, the center of a community known as um, the Poor Ladies, um, and later after her death, the, the um, Order of St. Clair. And eventually they moved up the hill into the city, um, and their community now lives up there, and so the cross went with them. But there's a replica of it in the old church still down on the plains. We use this cross its way to St. Peter's. I'm sure there will be some people in the congregation who can tell me that story. I did hear over the last weekend when I was in Waikanae with the third order of the Society of St. Francis um, that it originated up in Kelvin at St. Michael's. Um, and so, and I don't know how it came to be there. Um, but I was very delighted when we arrived here to discover that this cross was already in our sacristy. felt like, ah, oh, I've come home. Some of you know that I spent a good portion of my life as a Franciscan, um, both in the Third Order and in the First Order Sisters. Um, and so the stories of Francis are kind of uh, part of my spiritual whakapapa, and I'm going to share a couple of with them with you today um, as we celebrate this feast day. Francis is kind of well-known around the world. He's one of probably the world's most beloved saints. And in fact, the Pope chose his name to use um, when he became the Pope. Uh, he typifies that desire to follow Christ wholeheartedly, letting go of everything um, and being humble and open to all that the Spirit places before us. Francis didn't start his life um, as a person who was open to everything and humble and poor. He uh, grew up at a time in the Middle Ages, was born around 1182, died in 1226. Uh, so if you can do your mathematics, you know he wasn't particularly old when he died. Um, he began life uh, living in a, a relatively wealthy family into a cash society. And his father was a merchant. He was of that emerging middle Europe, buying fabric and then selling it. Francis's mother was French and had, they'd met his parents on one of um, uh, Pietro's um, journeys around and in Assisi. And Francis's baptismal name was not Francis, it was Giovanni, but he was called Francesco, little Frenchy, by his dad. And that's the name that stuck. Francis, as he grew into a young man, was well known around the town for being a party boy. He loved having a good time with his mates. And because he had the wherewithal for a good time, he had lots of friends. 
His father lavished all sorts of things on him and had great hopes that Francis would marry up into the nobility and bring his family with him. Francis went off on one of the little inter-city wars that were common at that time and was eventually imprisoned and during his year in prison confronted himself and was confronted by God, the Holy One, and recognized that in this space where he had nothing in this prison, maybe the life he'd been leading wasn't everything. Maybe there was another way. And when he came home, was ransomed by his father and returned home and spent a long time in convalescence, he began to search his heart. And as he wandered around the the countryside around Assisi began to hear the voices of creation speaking to him, reminding him that he was of the earth, that he was God's child, and that all these parts of creation were also the children of God, the creations of God, and that he needed to be listening and paying attention, not just to his own desires, but to the needs of those around him. One story goes that he was on his horse, he still had it, um, and he heard the sound of a leper bell being rung. And he was petrified of lepers. They were, just imagine the worst kind of thing that's around today. Maybe someone with COVID and everything else. And he just wanted to escape. The bell was supposed to let him know that they were coming so he could. But he felt challenged for the first time in his life to get off his high horse and to turn and walk towards this leper. And he got some coins out of his pocket to give to him. But as he approached him, something in this person's face made him stop and realize what was needed was not coins, but friendship. And this person who formerly he had considered the worst of the worst, that he wouldn't have gone anywhere near, he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And Francis said to those who joined him, At that moment, what had been abhorrent to me became sweetness. And he gave the coins and his horse to the man and headed off on his way. And when he turned to look, there was no sign of the leper. And he understood that in this man had come the Christ to him. And that was one more of the stories of his turning. And so he decided that he was going to live a different life. And he sought what God wanted for him, and he prayed in the little churches around in the countryside. And one day he was praying at San Damiano, and he was aware of the Christ on the painted cross speaking to him, saying, Francis, go and rebuild my church, which you see is in ruins. And he could see the sky through the roof of the church. So he got up and he did what he was used to doing. He went to his father's storeroom and he got some fabric and he went off to the market and he sold the fabric and he used the money to buy the stones to rebuild the church. Francis was on the way to following Christ, but he was still relying on what he'd always relied on before. And his father was absolutely horrified 
Francis had been doing more and more odd things as far as his father was concerned and bringing disrepute to the family name. And so he dragged Francis before the bishop, who was also the magistrate, and said, make the son of mine obey me. <clears throat> At that moment, Francis, in true over-the-top Italian style, threw off his clothes, put them in his father's arms and said, I will give everything back to you that I have taken. From now on, I call no one on earth father, but only our father which art in heaven. Well, the bishop put his cloak around Francis, took him home, gave him a bit of a talking to, I suspect, but Francis was determined that this was going to be his way, and he says that he fell in love with Lady Poverty. Some writers say perhaps he challenged his father in this way in order to invite his father on the journey too, but his father chose not to go that way. So Francis then began to understand that his calling was to be with those who others in society had no time for and to rely on nothing and no one but God. That the riches, the material riches that he had had were getting in the way of him being able to understand his relationship to all of creation that he needed to have bare feet on the earth, that he needed to recognize Christ in the poor and the broken, and that he needed to hear the sound of all creation giving praise to God. And so he was captured by the gospel, the simplicity and the struggle of the gospel. And he, with some of the men who had um, heard him preaching and gathered around him, decided that they needed to follow a way that was gospel-centered. And unlike a lot of the other monastic orders of his day, not to be have own property and in common, but to own nothing, and to rely on either working or begging for their daily needs. And more and more people came and joined Francis, so many that by the time he died, the Order of Friars Minor, the Order of Little Brothers, stretched from India to England. Something about their simple, humble, grounded way of life captured people. One of the things was that a lot of uh, church culture had become all about Christ and glory far beyond our understanding. And he wanted to bring Christ back into the man who walked the earth, who stubbed his toes, who as a child had cried, who suffered with us and for us. And that we were called to be just as grounded, just as embodied. And so he's the one who created the Christmas crib to remind people that the Christ who was celebrated at Christmas was a poor baby. He set up in a cave a stable with straw and a manger and an ox and a donkey and invited people there to celebrate Midnight Mass. He's the one who invented the idea of Stations of the Cross so that people would remember 
the bodily suffering of Jesus so that people would not spiritualize what it meant to be a follower of Christ but learn how to live it in their bodies. And he found in this simple, humble way of life a deep joy. And others saw that and joined him. Claire ran away from her home and wanted to do what they were doing, but eventually um, was set up in the church of San Damiano and, and some of her family came to join her and other women and eventually her order too spread throughout Europe. And they were the prayer powerhouse of what was going on. And there were others who wished to join as well, but they had family responsibilities and Francis said, you need to stay where God is calling you to be. You need to do what is yours to do. But he understood that they too wanted to embrace this simple, humble, joyful way of following the gospel. And so what we now call the third order, Franciscans, in Francis's time it was the order of penitence, was founded. And amongst the things in their rule of life was that they would never carry arms nor money. And at the time that Francis was around, Everybody was expected to go to war on behalf of, of their community, and these people said no. Another story is told of Francis because it was the time of the Crusades, wanting to go and talk to the Sultan, and, and rather than fight, be reconciled. I think he hoped that he would convert the Sultan to the way of Christ. The story goes that the Sultan let this little man in because he didn't look like a soldier, and they talked for a week and were greatly admired what each other had to say. And the Sultan was not converted to Christianity. But they are a great symbol for the idea of listening to each other's perspective of truth and light and love and being able to follow your own way while respecting the others. And in this time, he prayed. He prayed that he might understand the pain that Christ And one night, as he was praying, he saw an angel with the wounds of Christ in his arms and his legs. And as he prayed fervently, he too experienced the appearance of the wounds of Christ, the stigmata on Alverna, with the wounds in his wrists, and he, for the last two years of his life, constantly kept those wounds bound. He wasn't really wanting to skite about them, but they were, he was carrying in his body, as the letter from the Gal to the Galatians said today, the wounds of Christ, as a reminder that the way of Christ will include suffering. But the other thing that he experienced when he received those wounds was the sense of intense love the love that Christ had for us, the love that Christ has for us, that he was willing to give his whole self and the joy that comes from having that love and being resourced to live through the pain because of that love. At this time, we celebrate Francis. 
But why do we celebrate this man from eight, nine hundred years ago from Italy when we live in New Zealand, in Aotearoa, in the 21st century? Surely there are other models that are better for us to follow. Yes, in our own land we have the wisdom of our indigenous people and there are indigenous people around the world who are calling the world to do as Francis and Claire called, to be listening to the earth, to be aware of the praise of God that is given by the very being of every created thing and to care for this creation because if we are created by God and they are created by God, they are our whānau, our siblings. And they have things to gift to us and we have things to gift to them. We are made of the earth. We belong to the earth. We are responsible to the earth. God has given us to the earth and the earth to us. So we need to learn how to be attentive to one another and to live in ways that respect and honour the gifts that each element of creation has to offer. Too long has humankind decided that we're above all of that. Francis, the tangata whenua, our food friends who are here today with us remind us that we are called to live in community with the earth. And sometimes that brings great pain and suffering. But even in the midst of the suffering, God is with us, resourcing us, loving us, asking us to love as deeply as Christ loves us. So I'd like to finish with a prayer that Francis wrote. May the power of your love, O Christ, fiery and sweet as honey, so absorb our hearts as to withdraw them from all that is under heaven. Grant that we may be ready to die for love of your love, as you died for love of our love. Amen.